0: Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Friday, January 6th, 2023. It's about one o'clock in the afternoon on the East Coast of the United States. My guest today, as you can see, needs no introduction to this audience. He is, of course, the gold standard in libertarian thinking and libertarian activism in the modern era former congressman and dr ron paul himself ron it's a pleasure uh welcome back to the show a belated merry christmas and happy new year to you and to your family
1: well thank thank you very much this is a real honor to be on your show again thank you on in my career i talked with you back then and we've been talking ever since yes I sure hope we're doing good work out there i know you are
0: well we're between the two of us and a lot of our colleagues like um Tom Woods and Austin Peterson. We we are getting the message out to a lot of people who are very interested in the dangers of too much government. So let's start with the dangers of the Federal Reserve. Uh, I'm I'm going to unleash you. What is your opinion of what the Federal Reserve has been doing to interest rates in the past six
1: months? Monkeying around. They don't know what they're doing, and they've caused. All almost all the economic problems that we have because the incentive is that uh, The things that people the government uh, the welfare warfare state nothing would happen if you didn't monetize the debt and have a fiat standard of money and yet even though more and more people are thinking this way and talking about it, it's been uh, very frustrating to know that uh, our universities, our high school classes, uh, you know, nobody's gonna be taught that. But fortunately, and you've done so much education outside of those circles, you know, with the Mises Institute and others and there's a lot of young group young americans for liberty and and uh, all the work you've done that i believe our audience is getting bigger so some days uh you know uh it's a little difficult to say well oh, everything's going to be okay which i don't say everything is going to be okay if we do the right things and these are the right things so i think that uh the federal reserve is uh, it fascinates me uh, I started reading um, Austrian economics and and uh, paying attention probably in the 60s when they started talking about about five or six years before Brenton Woods broke down the Austrian free market economists made predictions you know they say this system isn't gonna work and I well I perked up what are they talking about? what are they doing so looking into that and then the confirmation came of course on August 15th, 1971 that was a big event and uh, I think for decades nobody ever mentioned today have you noticed (laughs) judge that they mention it more than ever because they know something big has happened and something big is still happening in our monetary system
0: and of course you're on august 15th 1971 you're talking about one of the worst things that a modern president ever did which was president nixon on his own this wasn't any legislation and in fairness it wasn't even the fed uh closed the gold window and he concluded what FDR began back in 1933, which was the total separation uh, of American dollars uh, by being backed by any type uh, of a commodity uh, whatsoever. Your former colleagues uh, in the Congress, emphasis former, uh, there are probably just a few there that would agree with you. Thomas Massey uh, comes to mind, enacted the most insane piece of legislation It's hard to say which is the
1: most. insane.
0: (laughs) You're talking about money. They call it the Inflation Reduction Act of (laughs) 2022. And of course, it spent a trillion dollars. It created the trillion dollars out of out of nowhere. Uh, What kind of a mentality does this other than one that thinks we're stupid? (laughs)
1: Well, it's a mass conditioning of the people because the people want bipartisanship. We want you guys to get along together. We want you to solve problems and don't stand around just talking past legislation, past legislation and uh, it's, it's not an easy thing to sell, but I say, no, we have too much bipartisanship because uh, you know it's pretty bipartisan about spending money and running up deficits. Do you think the Republicans have a very good record when they have a little bit of clout, uh, the executive branch and the congressional branch, do they really cut back? No, no. It, it's uh, it's bipartisan and therefore that it, nothing really changes and some people have, they, they have to pretend of that uh, being the same, but then you know there's a shift also that i'm sure you've noticed that's uh, interesting because it used to be in the 60s uh, the anti-war people were progressive Liberal Democrats. And right. Then there was a period of time that when I was in Congress, I liked it because we could talk to them, you know, and work with some of them. And I remember you know, in, uh, in the- and others. And, but now the Republicans, the Republicans were <laughs> becoming uh, pro war, and so, so are the progressives. So it, it's a tough thing to say, but they couldn't do it if they didn't have a Federal Reserve that print the money and take care of the debt.
0: You know, when I was an undergraduate uh, at Princeton from uh, 68 to 72, I had a crew cut and I wore a t-shirt that said Bomb Hanoi. And of <laughs> course, the guys with the long hairs were the ones protesting the draft or protesting the war. Today, of course, I'd be 110% uh, in their camp. It's interesting how things change. I- I'm curious as to where you would be today if you were still in the House of Representatives uh, on this uh, vote for a speaker would you be with the dissidents who are trying to rein in government or would you vote for Kevin McCarthy just to get it over with so the Congress could get on with its work?
1: Judge, you always can figure out how to ask a hard question. (laughs) (laughs) You taught me. (laughs) You know that's a trick question, don't you? Um, I, I guess from my history and some of my beliefs, I would probably quietly say nothing. I wouldn't fa- have any fanfare. I would go about my business of uh, trying to convince people that both sides are off uh, off the beam, and that uh, the speakership is not very relevant. The Congress is not relevant. It's all outside that. It's the deep state. It's the Federal Reserve. It's the people who uh, you know lock down our our schools and executive orders and all this thing is totally out of control but i uh generally over the years i did did not like making the individual the personality the issue so right. i i didn't uh, i didn't want to participate i didn't want to be a, a supporter for bain or anything else but generally that wasn't my fight that is not where and some people are better at that and i just didn't, didn't like it i didn't think it solved the problems i wanted to talk about the issues and if i had the chance i would probably try to pester them with a lot of questions because if they want to be the speaker i want to know where they stand on the issues but uh i think i would uh, have leaned toward uh, not just blowing up the place uh even though i'm about this far away from anarchism
0: <laughs> well, i gotta tell this uh, story about i think it was the second time we met the first time we met was a speech i was given uh, hosted by jay kornberger and you were there in the audience and i was just stunned because i was such a fan of yours and I didn't know you were going to be there. And I introduced you as the Thomas Jefferson of our day and it began a lifelong friendship. But the second time we met, I'm sure you remember this, you invited me to your office uh, in the house of representatives. Now you may remember that I spent uh, my sophomore year at, in high school at the Capitol school for pages. And I was a page in the house of representatives. And I knew the offices, I knew the tunnels, I knew the buildings. And I came to your office and I said, "Run." this is a glorified broom closet. And he goes, well, the offices are given out by the leadership. And this is what happens when you defy the leadership, as I do almost every day. So I think you'd be defying the leadership if you were on the floor of the house, but I won't push you too aggressively on that. You mentioned uh, the deep state. You had a great piece the other day. And of course I've been writing about uh, the FBI, which has become, really a domestic surveillance um, entity. Uh, Your piece was a little different. Uh, I mean, your piece argued that the FBI practically turned Twitter into a subsidiary of itself. Mm -hmm. How dangerous is the modern FBI?
1: Well, I think it's very dangerous, and somebody pulled up something that I had forgotten about. I think it was in 1988 I gave a speech or an interview you need to get rid of the FBI, they're up to no good. And uh, no, there's no place for that in a republic and the CIA, no place for it. And uh, yet uh, there's a lot of criticism coming from the Republicans right now but uh, it's still, they're not at the point where they'd be willing to, to get rid of it. But uh, I just don't think we would be less free uh, if we didn't have the FBI. But the FBI does not protect us. It destroys our liberty. It's, it's, a, it's a horror. And uh, I think that uh, uh, we, we need to call attention to it. And besides, you know, the uh, First Amendment uh, is key because if we, if we lose that, which we are, uh, our battle which we describe as intellectual and philosophic ideas, speaking out, uh, and now just think of the medical profession, which I identified strongly with all the abuse that the people who wanted to, uh, uh, you know, speak up about the truth of COVID. And you know, what was so so amazing was that the, uh, that the doctors uh, uh, were taught, I was taught in medical school, debate is what you want. You want doctors discussing it, discussing with your patients and all these things. And they want to eliminate it. They want to make a criminal out of you. And yeah. they, and, and that, that came from something very early on that was recognized by the libertarians. And that is the takeover of medical care. And that's the first time it started was just the introduction of uh, third party payment.
0: Well, you you know better than I, and probably better than almost anyone in the country, the dangers of the federal uh, takeover uh, of of medicine and how unhappy medical students are today because becoming a physician is not the joy of healing as it was when you uh, became a, a physician. It's now the unhappiness of dealing with federal regulations, regulation on top of regulation on top of Uh, of regulation. I just want to get back to the FBI for a minute. I, I really think that this is going to explode, and I don't know which way it's going to explode, because this stuff happened under Donald Trump. I can't imagine that he knew about this, because the same elements in the FBI, which were telling Twitter what speech to suppress and telling Facebook what speech to advance, was the same FBI that was tormenting him and all of this happened under Jim Comey whom he didn't appoint and fired and under Chris Ray whom he whom he did appoint. Chris Ray has a lot to answer for when your former colleague Jim Jordan becomes the chair of the House Judiciary Committee and they begin investigating just what the devil the the FBI was up to. How America becomes safe, how they were protecting our liberties. By intimidating social media and suppressing people's free speech, I can't even imagine what explanation they could give for that. Hey,
1: Judge, you've written a lot of books, and I write a little, a few pamphlets. And you've complimented me because you're just a nice guy. But I write a little bit, and I'm working on a little, little project now, and I call it the surreptitious coup. And I think there was a coup starting – especially it accelerated with the kennedy assassination and this is it's it's out there there is no government there has it's all secret and you know whether you have uh you know what what was going on but fortunately we we should say yes but Lately, we found out a little bit more about the FBI, and this is very, very good. And that's why your writings are so important, because that reveals to the people with uh, intellectual credibility and and the books that you've written that th- this is a serious problem. When I left Congress, uh, I, in, in a way, I didn't jump up and down. But my answer was, you know, for my efforts, the most important thing I have is the First Amendment you know, because I know the second amendment's important and the fourth amendment's important and all this. And I said, but we need to have an ability to speak out. And that's why it's so disgusting for this cancel, uh, you know, e- evidence, you know, we'll, we'll cancel you. And they, they'll blackmail people. They'll, they'll take your job away and and people's reputation, but it's coming around. There's a little bit of change now. So there's a little encouragement there. But that has to come from an intellectual revolution. You've been part of that for a long time. And that's why I still hold out hope that we can move in that direction because people say, what can you do? What can you do? I say, if you don't know what to do, why don't you just start and read the Constitution?
0: Uh, good good place to start. Uh, the Constitution does not let the president uh, send uh, American troops and American uh, military hardware wherever he wants. Uh, Congress has authorized him to send over $100 billion in cash and military hardware uh, to Ukraine. Congress has not declared war. Congress may have us on the verge of World War III. I don't know. What do we do about the creeping American involvement in Ukraine, Congressman Paul?
1: Well, I think we have to continue to do what we're doing, and I think there has been a shift. There's, you know, I imagine there's more... Uh, Republican constitutionalists in that smaller group compared to a few years ago, but it's still it's still very small. But, <clears throat> but they have to get the ammunition now there's going to be a major crisis come where uh, it's going to go one way or the other you know the last time they had a problem picking a speech a, a speaker was right before the civil war and uh, and uh, i imagine they were talking about the conflicts that were going on back then but this this is a, this is something that we have to have an ability to change people's minds uh, otherwise it, not, nothing will happen you know it can't happen but we're we're really in, in a mess uh, the way we are. But I think there is a change, but I don't think it's gonna come, it's gonna come under much more dire circumstances. We're going to have a collision course, we'll have a collision, uh, you know, financially the uh the paper money and the debt these trillions and trillions of dollars a lot of people know about it i had once constituent tell me years ago and he says ron i know he says i really agree with all your votes but i think you should be up there getting our part before it falls apart like uh, oh you know that attitude probably exists he was just more honest with me you know the chamber of commerce type people a lot of yeah, things are like right. that
0: i want to yeah. show you um a quote from President Macron of France. Uh, This is on New Year's Eve. France will continue to help Ukraine without fail and until victory itself, we will build a just and durable peace, count on France and count on Europe. Now, normally it wouldn't trouble me what the president of France says, but I don't think he would have said that without having run it past his colleagues in NATO and especially past the people around Joe Biden. That's what terrifies me. That might be, in my view, this is the fear that I have, Congressman Paul, uh, the tip of the iceberg of American involvement. Stated differently, is the president of France saying what Joe Biden wants him to say? And if so, how dangerous is that?
1: You know, it's very, very dangerous. And I think what I just mentioned is the real challenge, Uh The foundations have been ruined morally and financially, and there is going to be a major, major adjustment for that. And uh, the big question is, is can we educate enough people that will influence the recovery? and uh i i sort of think that uh uh the recovery after the civil war uh there was enough uh, uh knowledge about the constitution that things did pretty well for several decades uh because but i don't think that can happen now you see i sort of like yeah, people say did you ever did anybody ever go back on the gold standard well at the beginning of our history we did but we did it after the civil war the restoration act i said so it can happen i said but not under today's circumstances so and that's why you know what i do on the economic education and the political stuff i also recognize that people should know how to survive the people who want to come to me and say do this and this and this uh on on investment i said yeah that's good i i I you know, buy uh, I buy metals and have a little, you know, property and that kind of stuff. You should do that. But there's only one investment that's worth uh, very much. And that's investing in the cause of liberty. Because you could wipe this the slate clean, like the market would do, get rid of all the debt, but preserve the liberty. And if you preserve the liberty, that means no income tax and no regulations. Uh, and people say, wow, that would be pretty neat. And I think, that if you did it, it would sort of be like 1921 all over again. There would be a boom like you've never seen before because uh, uh, th- well, we'd be removing the restraints. But are you, it, it, when, when are we going to take over the uh, the deep state and the militarism and, and uh, our empire? Uh, you, know, Mary, you know, it's a patriotic thing to defend the empire. Well, we're yeah. not defending the empire. We... We have saved the lives and, and produced more peace in the world than any country ever did in the history of mankind. And I say, yeah, but, you know, uh, there's a few, few, few costs that went into the, the, us, our rescue operation.
0: Nicely put. Congressman Paul, you're as energetic and cogent as ever. It's always a joy to have you on the show. Thank you very much for joining us.
1: Thank you. Great to be with you.
0: A pleasure. Pleasure, my friend. All right, if you're going to be in the New York City uh, metropolitan area in the next month or so, you might want to know that your friendly favorite host of Judging Freedom is doing a one-man show off-Broadway called Why is the Government in My Soup? There's the uh, poster from outside the theater. So it's Monday nights uh, starting this Monday night, uh, January 9th at 7.30 in the evening. It's basically a discussion of uh, very similar to what Congressman Paul and I had, uh, where the audience gets to ask me questions. I'm gonna go through the Bill of Rights. I'm gonna talk about President Trump and his woes. I'm gonna talk about the freedom of speech. I'm gonna talk about uh, the deep state. All of this, trying to answer the question about why is the government in my soup? You see how you can get tickets um, uh, online. It's at Theater 555. If you're local, that's 555 West 42nd Street. I'm doing it six Monday nights in a row. If you're one of my fans, come up and say hello to me afterwards. Thank you for watching us today. Scott Ritter, this afternoon at 2.30 Eastern. What's the latest on the ground in Ukraine? Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.